The Bible states, consider it pure joy when you face trials. What? How is this supposed to bring joy? Then there is patience. Christians are commanded to be long-suffering until the coming of the Lord. The book of James presents an image of a farmer waiting patiently for the crop to come. Most people equate this as a harvest with the return of Jesus. But what about now? Is there a harvest today? Jesus said, My Father is glorified by you bearing much fruit. Join us now as we dig deep into exactly what constitutes the bearing of His fruit in the harvest of Holy Spirit. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, good day everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Let me begin by thanking you for your time. Your time is very valuable. I recognize that and I trust that this will be time well spent as we engage Holy Spirit. The topic here is harvest of Holy Spirit. We're going to explore what the Word of God has in particular. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 is going to be the focus of this. And by that, I mean, we're going to be delving into what is called the fruit of the Spirit. And, but it's, it's not as though, uh, l- let me put it this way. I've, I, I've done a talk or I've done a, some presentations on the supernatural gifts of Holy Spirit that, you know, we've broken down that can only be described uh, a, a, as something that the Lord has imparted into people. It is outside of the realm of natural experience or, or, uh, justifi- or not justification or explanation. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and then you have natural gifts, natural gifts that are imparted into you when you're born uh, and, and that you grow and you mature with. They have a lot to do with your temperament, your calling, uh, special assets that you have, uh, special giftings, the way you think, the way you process things. This is almost like a cross in between. This is Harvest of Holy Spirit where we're going to be talking a lot about uh, gifts that, uh, and words and expressions that people will readily understand whether you know the Lord or not. But in this case, they are supernaturally imparted and supernaturally experienced beyond the realm of understanding, beyond the realm of our natural mind. And uh, hopefully as we go along, I, I trust that we'll be, I'll be able to break this down because we're going to be focusing on what the Word of God has to say. And, and also, you know, Jesus said we are to uh, exhibit this fruit in, in our walk and in, in, in our calling. Um, and why? Because we can find all of these characteristics in the Lord, in Father and Son and in Holy Spirit, um, and as well as many different individuals uh, throughout the Bible. And, and we'll get into that. And a lot of this is going to be focused on what the Word of God has to say and, and those examples of, of how they bear out. So uh, before I begin, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and the subscribe button. I know I ask this a lot and bear with me. Uh, but it's really important for us to get up there on the algorithms. Uh, so if you can hit the like, the subscribe, and ring the bell, uh, no matter what platform you're on, whether you're on Russick Outlook, YouTube, podcast platforms, uh, and, and share the information. Again, if you feel this information is worthwhile, if you think people will get something out of it, please do so. Uh, it, it, you know, Again, I'm, I'm always about sharing the truth, not only sharing the truth of God's Word, sharing the truth. Uh, so, we, you know, we cover a number of different topics, uh, but it's all focused on the Word of God and Jesus' gift to us. 
So on that note, I would also close by saying, if you wouldn't mind, jump, jump onto the Russick Outlook, join our email list. You'll see a, 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 um, a pop-up along the screen. You know That's similar to what will happen if you go down russickoutlook.com. And again, we notify you of things to come. We have some pretty cool things in store for 2022. And uh, so on that note, let's get into this. So again, the, the focus here is going to be on Galatians. Uh, so let's go. So let me first preface it by saying I am going to, particularly in the beginning, uh, I, I want to point out some uh, what's called the Passion Translation, uh, more of a modern-day vernacular, if you will. Um, I normally stick with the King James. I'm pretty good about that. However, in this case, I, I thought it would be good to, uh, to show you some of the different translations here. Uh, I think that they'll give a little bit more food for thought, fruit for thought, if you will. So what are we talking about? It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Is joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now with the passion translation uh, lays it out this way, but the fruit produced by Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. I think a lot of that, to me anyway, uh, gives a just gives a little bit more definition and a little bit more, um, uh, shines a little bit more of a light on than just using those words in particular. So I'm going to work backwards a little bit for you. I'm going to jump over to five Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and then work backwards for a few verses. And the reason I want to do that is I'm showing you some different images. If you're following me on video, I'll describe them. Uh, it's, it's kind of some things that people are experiencing in the world uh, where it's our fleshly nature, it's sin, um, whether it's, it's uh, areas of, of abuse, of alcohol, of drugs. Um, you know, it shows a mother here kind of sleeping and, and the child needing help, uh, people in jail, people imprisoned, um, young, young girls, prostitutes on the streets, you know, and could be a lot to do with their upbringing, uh, stealing, um, uh, the people in the jail cells, uh, somebody shooting, uh, shooting up. It's, uh, and then here, you know, one of the things too, uh, you know, you may have seen this image. It's a drag queen reading a children's book story. I'm not sure if it's a bookstore or a library, um, or it, might, it could have even been, been a school, but you know, the point is that, uh, you know, we have this sinful nature without whole, well, we have it even when we accept the Lord. It's it's whether whether we walk in the fullness of the Lord to put some of those things down. Um, but let me read the, what what the uh, uh, the scripture has to say here. And again, I'm reading Passion Translation. The cravings of self life are obvious: sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when th when others are favored, temper tantrums, 
angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Uh, I'll just speak for myself. A lot of those things before I came to know the Lord, I exhibited. I, you know, I, I engaged or indulged in some of those things. And it goes on to say, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for those things or these things will not inherit the realm of God? So it's it's pretty cut, cut and dry that those are characteristics. And, you know, some could be far more subtle than, you know, I'm giving you uh, some pretty blatant and, uh, and startling examples, but some could be a little bit more subtle. Um, but this is what uh, Paul outlines in Galatians. So again, this is who we can be potentially, not all, um, you know, if you don't know the Lord. Uh, and, and and this is the importance of what we're getting to in what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about with harvest of Holy Spirit. So let me go backwards again. I'm going to now go to Galatians five sixteen through 18. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and the power of Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living freely within you. Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are self, uh, 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 I'm sorry, within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. So, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. And, and, you know, uh, the flesh is enmity to the spirit and, you know, the, uh, uh, the flesh is willing, but the, uh, I'm sorry, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak is, is what uh, uh, scripture has to say. So those are the things that enable us by having Holy Spirit, walking with Holy Spirit and, and engaging yourself and studying the word of God. More of that fleshly desire gets put down naturally. Uh, I should say supernaturally, uh, and but by that I mean it's not an overwhelming experience. It's just the more you walk with the Lord, the more things that uh, become obvious in terms of where your priorities are, where your, where your thought life is. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So you are a new creation. You are born again, um, but what does that mean? That means you have these new attributes, which we're going to now break down. So talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Jesus says he gives license to inspect one's fruit. What do I mean by that? We're going to read Jesus' own words in Matthew seven fifteen through 20. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather other grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. 
Every tree that brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by these fruits you shall know them. So it's it's pretty strong. Like Jesus is saying, you will know them by their fruits. And if you do not have good fruits, cast into the fire means you are cast into eternity without the presence of God. So, you know, it's it's fine for us to look at and evaluate people, ministries, churches, uh, relationships, and, and look at them by their fruit. You don't have to necessarily... Um, judge them or write them off. But, you know, if you see some things that kind of glare at you that it, it's not producing good fruit, then, you know, it's good warning. And and again, Holy Spirit will speak to you in, in, in that instance. So let me jump down to John 15, 5 through 9. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So he's, you know, Jesus is telling you, you are expected to bear much fruit. So, if Jesus is using this expression, I wanted to go to, oh, what does that process look like in the natural as far as bearing fruit? So fruit typically ripens about six or seven months after flowering, and it will produce on new growth. When you are ready to harvest, you cut the fruit from the tree, but you don't pull it off. You cut the fruit as close as possible to the branch, taking the stem with the fruit. Fruit does not ripen off the tree. So, yeah, I mean, most people would know that if you're going, you know, something like apple picking or peach picking or uh, uh, pears or, or, you know, things like that. You generally just, you take a little bit of that stem with you. Uh, I'm giving you some examples here uh, of some figs and some lemons. And uh, I used to have a fig tree where, where I used to live and, and we would cut that close to the stem. And boy, you know, we knew just when to pick it and it was just, it was, it was delicious. So there's time that, that it needs to grow and mature and eventually produce the harvest. So the foundation here is love. And I'm giving you the example of agape love. I know many people are familiar with that term. It comes from the Greek when they, the Septuagint did the translation from Hebrew over to Greek. Uh, it, it's basically, this is employed in two different ways. It denotes love in this, in this way. Love as an idea, John 15, Romans 13, and love between people is in 2 Corinthians. The New Testament writers use agape to refer to the love of God, Romans 5, 2 Thessalonians 3, or the love of Christ. So again, you have love as an idea, love between people. And then you have the love of God and the love of Christ. So, you know, those are two two expressions. Now, people, you know, you will love uh, people that, you know, you may be engaged with. You may be uh, maybe a spouse, maybe somebody who, you know, you've had a long-term relationship. Then their second kind of love is the love of God, the love that comes supernaturally, the love of Jesus. You know, if you're hearing the word of God, a lot of times that will move you because you're drawing closer to the one that you love. Um Agape, and, and, and again, I know many people understand this. It's, you know, a, another word for that is, is you know, um, 
that that closeness, that proximity that a child would get to a father. It's almost like, you know, a, a child would run to a father or a mother and just hug them and just embrace them. And, you know, it's an all-consuming uh, love. John four sixteen, God is love. So, you know, that they are synonymous. I give you a whole host of scriptures here on video that you can look up from Leviticus to Deuteronomy to John to uh, Romans to 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter and 1 John. You know, there, there's so much here that, that it, and, and it's the foundation of, of who you are and how, how you were molded, how you were created from the very beginning. Next, we're going to talk about joy. Joy is the sense or the state of gladness or elation that people experience through their relationship with God and through good things in their lives. So again, this is kind of where people are joyous. They're, you know, they're happy. They have that good expression. Whether you know the Lord or not, you go through those, those seasons of joy. And, and, uh, but this is something that is, is kind of almost, you know, you almost pinch yourself or sometimes it could be a subtle little thing like, you know, I'm showing a father, you know, dancing in a field with his daughter. You know, it's it's just pausing for a moment and taking, uh, recognizing that that very special experience. I'm showing you the joy of children playing and dancing with one another. First uh, Thessalonians says, "Be joyful always." James says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds." So you know, here's that. That's the flip side of it. So if you're experiencing a trial or, or, or difficulty in your life, the last thing you're going to think about is joy. But, you know, the word of God turns around and says, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, Nehemiah 8.10, don't be dejected or sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's two people, uh, very good friends of mine, uh, who, have, who have been going through some pretty serious, serious illnesses. And uh, it, it's just... It's a joy for me to watch their joy in the midst of these trials. And, and, and this can only be experienced because of their reliance and acceptance of the Lord. And they have such profound and strong faith. Uh, you know, one good friend of mine, you know, he has cancer and he's been getting treatments and he's ministering the gospel in the hospitals to the doctors and the nurses. And, and it's that, that supernatural joy of the Lord that is his strength in getting him through this. Uh, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, but incidentally, you know, he just got a wonderful report that the cancer is no longer there. Uh, Psalm 126.3 says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So, you know, we are to, to experience this. We're to walk in this. We're to love this. And, you know, I would just say, look for those subtle little moments because, you know, the, it, it, it's, it's something that, you know, it's a, it's a gift. I'll put it that way. It's it's definitely a gift that the Lord's imparted to you. and uh, But you can have it at all times. Uh, so just, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I, I say that because, you know, I recognize so many people go through different trials and tribulations. Jesus said, you know, fear not. Uh, you know, I am in the world. And if you, I am in you, then you have overcome the world. I'm paraphrasing, but you get the idea. So, uh just revel in the joy. I'll put it that way. Then there's the peace of God that passes all understanding. So you could be in the midst of this storm. You could be having a difficult financial situation. Uh, your your house could be in foreclosure. Your your home, your your livelihood could be going. But the peace of God, you know, that passes understanding, can be with you. And it's a supernatural peace. And you know, I know that. Uh, you know, I've talked to so many people over the years 
and and they 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 get it, you know, that where the world would freak out at certain situations, or we're dealing with COVID, and so many people are very very stressed with it, and and, and you know as there's a concern there, but yet I see so many Christians who are at peace, who recognize, you know, God has everything under control and, and their trust is in him. So I've given you a bunch of scriptures here. Um, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those who favor on, who his, on whom his favor rests. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 4 in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So all of these attributes are yours, and they're the fruit of, by walking and engaging the Lord. These are things that come upon you supernaturally, but it's natural in your walk. Patience. This is something that uh, you know, it's so many times people say, watch, you know, watch what you pray for, you ask for, but patience is, is, is an attribute of God. It's, and I'm going to give you some very clear examples of God's patience. Um, Paul's prayer for the Colossians is that they, they might demonstrate this. In addition to being a fruit of the spirit, it is an attribute of love and a virtue. Christians are exhorted to be patient. Most particularly, Christians are commanded to be long-suffering until the coming of the Lord. The image James presents is that of a farmer waiting patiently for the crop to come. In due season, the harvest will come. Jesus will return, but we must be patient and endure our trials for the glory of God. So for those following me on video, I show you, you know, just what that seed first looks like when it's cropping up. But then when you can see the, the, the potential of the harvest, and, and, and a lot of that is you have to be patient. You have to water the soil. You have to till the soil. You have to you know, make sure it has the right nutrients and minerals in there. Uh, and it's the same thing. You have to water your, your, your fruit. You have to water your, uh, your walk with the Lord. When you spend more time in the Word, when you're studying the Word, you're watering it, you're... you're, you're you're exhibiting some things that in that patience will produce a harvest. Let me put it that way. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful attribute. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of this happens as the older you get, you get a little bit more patient. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, I can say in my life and looking back, there are times where I should have been more patient and should have just been quiet and let the Lord do his work. Uh, but I tried to get ahead of him. I tried to tell him what to do or how to do it. So, um, you know, what I've learned over the years is is I need to be patient and be quiet and, and listen to the Lord and wait on the Lord. So let me give you some examples of just how patient God is. Uh, you know, you think of Noah's Ark and how patient he was in calling people into the Ark and until the day finally came. And that to me is, you know, he's showing you the, the greatest illustration of patience. Uh, he was patient when he held off the flood for the sinners of Noah's day. First uh, Peter says, uh, um, God was patient holding off the flood for the sinners of Noah's day while the ark was being built, thereby giving more time for repentance. Romans 2, 4, God's kindness, forbearance, and patience 
that let, lead people to repentance. So a lot of times, you know, we look at people and we'll say, you know, why don't they get it? You know, why are they why do they keep sinning or, you know, why don't they accept the Lord? And and thank God for God's patience with them. And and it's his patience that eventually leads them to the cross where they recognize they can't do it on their own. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, you know, there you have it. So be patient with yourself, with the Lord, and with others. Kindness. The Old Testament translation of, of the Hebrew term is chesed. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Throughout the Old Testament, the idea is that compassion and faithfulness to one's obligation, as well as to relatives, friends, and even to slaves. I give you the example of Genesis 12, 39, and 1 Samuel. Um, In the New Testament, this Greek word is translated, and it can be described as gentleness, goodness, uprightness, generosity, and graciousness. The New Testament describes kindness as an attribute of God, Titus 3, 4. It is a characteristic of true love, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. You know, that uh, husbands and wives, they need to be kind to one another. They need to be patient with one another. They need to love one another. Um, uh, and, And the more you're walking with the Lord, the more this will just come about naturally. I give you some examples here on video uh, of of kindness. I see this, you know, every now and then. I'm in and out of New York City a fair amount of times, and and I've seen this a couple of times on the streets. And this picture shows uh, a young man who has some uh, um, barber skills or or hairstyling skills, and he's uh, cutting the hair on the street of a a homeless man. He's helping him, which gives that man self-esteem. Uh, the Australian firefighters and wildfires back about four or five years ago. And you see here a firefighter uh, um, uh, feeding a koala bear. Uh, then there's uh, um, uh, an American soldier in Iraq. Uh, I, you can't tell who's giving who, but it looks like the young child is giving the, the soldier the water. It could be the reverse. But either way, it's a very telling picture of kindness. And then finally, uh, you know, a gentleman walking uh, an elderly woman down the steps holding her hand. These tiny, tiny little um, moments of kindness that you exhibit and the opportunities. And I will say this, that God gives you these opportunities. You know, if you pray and you ask him, uh, you know, Lord, what can I do for you today? Instead of always saying, you know, God bless me here or God bless me there. Uh, what can I do? And he'll show you opportunities and he'll put people across your path that you can be kind to, you can be patient to. Um, uh, you know, for Second Timothy says, at the time of judgment, Christ will reward those who have shown kindness to others. Uh, kindness can be seen in the deeds of people such as Joseph and Matthew, the centurion and Luke, John, John 19, Julius in Acts 27, and uh, Onesiphorus, uh, which is also in Acts. Um, so all of this is laid out. This is, this is something that we are expected to walk in. Then I'm going to go to goodness. And there's a difference here between kindness and goodness. The thought of God as good is the prominence that given to good and goodness are distinctive features of the Bible. Romans 2, 4, the goodness of God leads to repentance. 
the patience of God is also, you know, part of that is he's so good that he is patient. Romans 15 says, Now I myself, I am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. James 1.17, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So the good gifts, the perfect gifts that you have in your life, they came from God. They were given to you as a gift. Psalm 11.5, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I believe the uh, uh, King James Version, I won't, I'm pretty sure it says the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Um, so it's, you know, these are, again, things that are given to us. And the more we use them, it's it's like the more you eat them or the more you pick the harvest, the more you pick the fruit when it's ripened, the more you'll produce. Faithfulness. This is, this is something that, boy, is so important. Um, it denotes the firmness or the constancy of God in his relations with men, especially his people. He is constant or faithful in keeping his promises, therefore is worthy of our trust. This trust often connects with God's goodness and mercy. His unwavering consistency is also tied directly to his covenant with man. He is unchangeable in this regard. Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving, it will amaze you. So kind, it will astound you. And he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. I should say that's the Passion Translation, but you know you get the idea. Faithfulness is a quality and or an attribute applied in Scripture to both God and to man. But notice it takes trust. You have to have trust in God. I'm just going to very quickly describe something to you that, that happened very early on within a few months of when I came to the Lord. I was going through a very, very difficult time in my life. It was a very traumatic personal experience. And and I was you know kind of angry. And I, I, I went to church on a Friday. It was a Friday night special service. And, and I, you know, I very obnoxiously demanded that the Lord, you know, speak to me. I said, you're, you said to Moses, you're no respecter of persons. Um, so anyway, long story short, in the middle of the worship's part of the service, uh, the guy who was leading worship stops everything. And he's, he says, there's somebody in this audience who, and he starts to describe me, everything that I was going through without you know, knowing it. And I was really like kind of unknown in this church. It was only, you know, there for a few months. And he said, the Lord wants you to know that you need to trust him. And I was just so taken, so blown away. And then by the time I left and the next day, I was convinced that wasn't for me. That was for somebody else. I had heard the wrong thing. And and, and I just kind of let it go at that. Then come Sunday morning, I'm sitting in the service. Again, I don't know many people. So I'm sitting by myself at the end of the service, there's a very elderly woman. I don't know her, never saw her again afterwards. She looks at me, she says, son, come here. And, you know, she kind of shuffles on over to me, you know, much elderly woman. She takes me by the hand and she holds my hand and she says, son, I don't know what you're going through, but I really feel very strongly that the Lord said that you need to trust him. And I broke down like a little kid. Um, and, and that was really my first um 
embarking upon the word trust and faithfulness. And God's been faithful to me. Uh, you know, there, there, there's no question about it. But what I'm getting at here is the importance of trust as, as a, a husband and wife need to trust one another and exhibit that trust. God is, is it's the same thing. You need trust in your family, your, your siblings. Um, it, it, it's kind of the foundation of that faithfulness. I'm going to give you a, a very quick example, if you don't mind. I hope she doesn't mind. There's a ministry called Mercy Multiplied, Nancy Alcorn. It helps young women with, women with different um, uh, challenges that they're going through. It could be pregnancy. It could be thoughts of suicide, cutting, things like that. And they take these girls in and they, and they put them up free of charge. They don't take any money from the government or anything. It's all donation-based. And they transform lives. And, and I, I've been you know, involved or supporting this ministry for as long as I can remember. Um, but what gets me is, is Nancy's faithfulness, is, is, the, is the women who work there. And many of these girls, young girls, come out and they graduate from this program and they turn around and they help others. Um, why? Because they trust God. They trust one another. Um, it, 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 it's, you know, trust is a two-way street. I, I, I always say it's like prayer is a two-way street. You know, trust is the same thing. So, you know, uh, I, I would just say that this is a big part of faithfulness. And in that, you know, just think about your, your, your parents or maybe you as parents with your children, uh, personal ministry, natural gifts, supernatural gifts. This is all based upon trust and faithfulness. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to give you that example. Uh, getting near the end here, gentleness of heart. I show you the example of a beautiful little butterfly in, in, in somebody's hand cupped very tenderly. Uh, Ephesians 4.2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, that's Ephesians 4.2. This is the gentleness of heart. Titus 3.2, slander no one. Be peaceable and considerate. Always be gentle towards everyone. So that, that gentleness that you need to have, that you may have with an animal, you need, you know, if you're an animal person, I am, you know, I, I see animals, I'm, you know, I'm moved with compassion and gentleness. It's the same thing, you know, that we have to be with one another. Self-control. And, and I think we all go through different stages of self-control. I'm, I'm showing you some examples here of a young child kind of losing it and, uh, than the other guy who, who's exhibiting self-control by doing so by, by being in prayer. Uh, and, and that's really the, 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 what I'm trying to emphasize here. Um, the self-control aspects, uh, interestingly, in Psalms and, and, and Proverbs, it, it covers a lot of this. If you want to learn about your temper, Proverbs 14, 17, and 29. You want to learn your self-control for your mouth, uh, Psalm 141.3. Your eyes, Job 31.1. Your thoughts, Psalm 19.14. Your hands, Psalm 140.11. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. So we need to exhibit the self-control. Proverbs 29.11. Fools. Give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. So we are to exhibit this self-control. Uh, and, and, you know, different people at different times of their lives, you know, go through different stages. But again, more the more you walk with the Lord, the more you're studying with the Word of God, the more this will all come about 
supernaturally but naturally, if, if, if you know what I mean. And then finally, as I'm, as I'm winding this down, I'm showing you that we're called to make these deposits. I show you three farmers, it looks like in Asia, you know, could be in the, in the area of, uh, of Southeast Asia. Um, but instead of the, the seeds that they're putting down, look at it as the seeds are love. It's goodness, it's patience, it's self-control, it's gentleness, it's peace, it's joy, it's kindness, it's faithfulness. All of these things that if you're walking in your, in your life with this and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, the harvest of Holy Spirit, people will be drawn to it. People will be moved by it. So it doesn't always necessarily have to be, you know, that, that you're talking to them. It, a lot of times it's, it's how you react in different situations, how you handle different situations. John twelve twenty four says, Very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So when you die to self, you produce these different fruits. By surrendering your, your, your old life to Jesus, you produce these fruits, you produce these, this fruit of the Spirit again. It, these are natural descriptions, but supernatural impartation uh, by Holy Spirit. So, I, I just wanted to, uh, I, I just felt like, you know, this this was something that was rich and endearing that we should all be experiencing and walking and we should always be growing and maturing in, in our daily walk. So let me just close by thanking you as always for your time. Um, I, I, I hope and trust that this has helped you and, and please do not hesitate to shoot me an email, questions, comments, whatever it is, russicoutlook at gmail.com prayer requests. And again, if you don't know the Lord, time is, is, is getting tight. Just tell, I'm just being honest. Um, please consider it. Please, you know, just ask the Lord into your heart. Let him know that you're a sinner and, and he'll go, he'll go from there. Um, I, I can elaborate in an email or find a good Bible church, but uh, these are, everything I've described here is for you. It's awaiting you. It's awaiting uh, your, your walk with the Lord and engage with Holy Spirit. So thank you again for your time. Uh, you've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.